Welcome to From the Heart with Daryl Underwood, pastor of Servant's Heart Chapel in Clovis, New Mexico. We hope you are blessed and encouraged by this week's sermon. Now here's Pastor Daryl. Um, there are certain things that you want to do to, to prepare for a race. You got to eat right and get enough sleep and uh, and then train. You have to uh, you have to uh, uh, do certain kinds of run. What's called a foundation run at first, just a, a nominal speed, and and then you add longer distance runs, uh, and then you add. Uh, tempo runs where you run at kind of a, ha- a faster pace for a, a, a not as real short but shorter than your than your other runs, uh, and then there's a speed training where you do uh, um, uh, where you run you know out sprint for 30 seconds and then you rest and then do it again intervals interval running which I always hated despised. Our I. Uh, and so there's things they get to do to prepare for a race. And the Christian life is very much like running a race. In fact, Paul compared it to just that back in Hebrews chapter 1. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The race of the Christian life is what he was talking about, but it's very much like running a real race. Like training for a race, we must practice certain habits that will strengthen our spiritual muscles. And I said before, there's 10 habits I'll be talking about over the next 10 weeks. Reading the Bible, prayer, worship, evangelism, serving, stewardship, Fasting, silence and solitude, journaling, and learning. And today we'll be talking about the Bible, studying God's Word. A man by the name of of Gaylord uh, Kamarabi was a general secretary of the Bible Society in Zimbabwe, tried to give a New Testament to a very belligerent man. He wanted to give him a New Testament, and he handed it to him. And the man insisted that he would just roll up the pages and use them to make cigarettes if he gave him that New Testament. Now, Mr. Kambarami said, I understand that, but at least promise me that you will read each page as you tear it out to make a cigarette out of it. And the man agreed. And the two went their separate ways. Fifteen years later, the two men met at a convention in Zimbabwe. The scripture-smoking pagan had been saved and was now a full-time evangelist. He told the audience, I smoked Matthew, and I smoked Mark, and I smoked Luke. But when I got to John 3.16... Where it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. 
He said, I couldn't smoke anymore. Praise the Lord. My life was changed from that moment. The Bible has a way of doing that. We have a need for God's word. When I first met Carlos, Carlos was in the hospital. I don't think you mind me telling this. And he was a man with a mission. Because the first thing he wanted to talk about when I walked into his room was how can he get a Bible? He didn't have a Bible with him. And that's what he wanted. Bible's of great value to us. The Bible is unlike any book. I, I was reading a lot about in preparation for this sermon. I came across some very true quotes from people about God's Word. Someone once said, I've read many books, but the Bible reads me. You ever experienced that? The Bible just reveals something in your heart. Someone else said, Bible study is meant not merely to inform, but to transform. The Bible has a way of doing that too, transforming our hearts and lives, like he transformed that scripture-smoking pagan. And someone else once said, if a Christian is careless in Bible reading, he will care less about Christian living. And that's absolutely true. If you don't take it seriously, your, your, your rest of your life is going to follow. I can, I can watch people time and again pull away from God. When someone is first saved, they can't get enough of God's word. They can't get enough of it. They are just pouring over it night and day. Emmett, didn't you read the Bible in a very short period of time when you first got saved? So I know, but I mean, go read it through. Didn't you read it through like, what was the time period? The New Testament or? In a few days, didn't you? Okay. Okay. That's cool. I, I, I had in my head that you had read it like in a very short period of time when you first got saved. But people tend to, you pour it over though, didn't you? You, you wanted to know, what, what does this thing have to say? I, I, I know Jesus in my heart. I know he's forgiven my sins. That's wonderful. Now I want to know, what does God want from me? I want to know more about God. I want to know more about my, my walk with Him. But it, it tends to cool off after a while. And when I know somebody starts missing church, I know it's probably been a while since they've opened this up. That's usually the first thing that goes. The Bible reading and the prayer with God. Those start to slip. And then the, the church attendance starts to slip. And then they start getting back in sin, making excuses Oh, just this one time, or it's not going to hurt anything. I'll be okay. I won't go as far as last time, but we know you end up going much further always than when you expect. I had a the Bible is so amazing and unique. It's like no other book in this world. Uh, when I was a a college student, um, I attended a Bible. Where I met my wife at a Bible college in Cincinnati, Ohio, and we had a professor there, Brother Budensick. Uh, the guy was in his 80s, 
And uh, he was an interest, very interesting man. I, I, I definitely want to be like him in my 80s. Him and his wife were like sweethearts in their 80s. And, and every morning he would, he would wake up and he would do some push-ups and I think some other calisthenics, maybe jumping jacks, and he would go for a short run every morning. I want to be like that. And he said, boys, I've been studying the Bible for 60 years now, and I'm still learning new things. What other book does that? What other book grows with you? There's nothing like it. It is so amazing. I have, I must admit, my, my, so my parents were not Christians early on, but they put me in a Christian school. And so I've had, I've had a Bible pretty much since I was five years old. I've had a Bible. But I must confess, I did not always make proper use of it. And for years, especially during my teenage years, the only time I got open was when my dad would drag me to church because he had become Christian by that point and, and, and dragging us, kicking, screaming to church. And I'd open my Bible for the sermon to read the scripture for the sermon. That was about the only time. Did not make use of it. Collected my dust while my heart corroded. The Bible does a lot of wonderful things for us that no other book does. The, the Bible is a sword and a judge for us. Now, I'm going to be reading through a lot of... So I'm just going to read the scriptures out loud uh, uh, versus having everybody look them up. But the Bible is a sword and judge. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirits, joints uh, and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Isn't that true? Every scripture and something cuts at you, you go, ow, that kind of hurt. There's something in my life that isn't right with God. The Bible is a lamp for us, it's a light, it's a flashlight for us. Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. If you want to do, in fact, if you want to do a full study on what the Bible is, what God's word is, just read Psalm 119. We won't do that today because it's the longest chapter in the Bible. But every verse has something to do with God's Word. But it's a lamp. It's a light for us. I don't know what to do. What do I do, God? And, 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 and you look it up, and, and, and there's guidance for principles in life, for, someone said, for philosophy, for morality, and, and for policy. It's a guide for us. It helps us know where to go and to know the direction we should take in our life and the behaviors and the attitudes we should have. It sheds light on us. The Bible is a mirror for us. 
It shows us who we are. James 1, 22 through 25. But the doers, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and, and perseveres in it, and is not forget, a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. The Bible reflects our, our, our real selves. There's no Snapchat filter on here to make me look pretty. It is going to show me what I really am. And God will use that. I remember when I was a boy, about nine or ten years old, I had stolen a comic book from a convenience store, back when they had comic books in convenience stores. And all the way home, I had, be sure your sin will find you out, pounding in my head. That's a scripture verse, by the way. And I'd heard that somewhere, and it was pounding in my head. Be sure your sin will find you out. And I got home, and my parents immediately asked to take what I had. And I had it hidden. But they asked to take what I had in my hands. And I, it took a matter of seconds. I was found out. I go back and, and I confess to the, the workers and give it back. And then I was granted to my room for a week. This was before cell phones. And, and I didn't have a video game system at the time. I had a very clean room was what I had. Cleanest it had ever been before. What's that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not yet. I hadn't gotten a Nintendo yet. Oh, comic books. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and so I had to learn. I had to learn not to do things of the flesh and and be obedient to God. The Bible is also like water. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26, uh, to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. The, water, the, the, uh, the Bible cleanses our hearts and lives. It's when we, when we are reading God's Word and we realize, oh, you know what? My attitude about something is wrong because the Bible says I'm supposed to love my enemies. Or I, I, you know, I, oh, the Bible says I'm not supposed to lie and, and I, I lied. I need, to, I need to stop doing that. The Bible acts as, as a sanctifying agent for us where God reveals truths to us and helps us to see the, the behavior that He wants us to live. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17 says, 
But as for you, continue in what you've learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, and you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The Bible is useful for all of that. The Bible is an amazing book. It's a living book. It provides information which can be found in no other book. It has a very, uh, the very nature of it helps us live lives that are pleasing to God. In fact, um, Psalm 119, back to that, verses 9, 10, and 11 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. I have sought you with all my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have treasured your word in my heart so I might not sin against you. There, we have a need. We need God's word. Right. Um, First Peter chapter 1, verses 23 and 24 says, Because you've been born again, not a perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and enduring word of God, for all flesh is like grass and all its glory is like a flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. God's word endures forever. The Bible addresses all of our needs. Isn't it wonderful, too, how the Lord guides us in our Bible study? If you have somebody, it's a, I love how somebody, it's a brand new Christian. They were just saved. They don't know anything about this hardly yet. And, and there's something in their life that's bothering them, has some challenge. And so they don't know enough about the Bible yet to know where to look for help. Right? They just started studying it. And I had multiple people do this. They just, well, I'm going to flip through and just stop. And time and time again, their finger lands on a verse or a passage that just has a tremendous impact on them. I believe God does that for people. They don't know enough yet, so God just kind of guides them. Boom. Isn't God wonderful? And, and he walks us through the Bible and challenges us. And as you know, we learn more about him, we grow from that. We need the Bible. We get nourishment from it. We get spiritual nourishment from it. First Peter verse or chapter two, verse two. Like newborn infants, desire the pure milk of what? Of the word. Not the, the, the pure milk of self-help books. Not the, the pure milk of uh, music or drugs or alcohol or other people's uh, adoration or love, but the pure milk of the words. And why? Because so you may grow up into your salvation when someone's saved, they're a babe in Christ. So they're, they're, they got a lot of growing to do. They can't walk on their own. They do a lot of stumbling. Uh, and and they ha they're very selfish in nature still. 
I want, I want. Um, that's what babies do. You know, Missy and I, a while back, we, we came across, I think you, Missy came across an article on, on breastfeeding and, and mother's milk and how the, what's it, what is it, um, the composition of the milk changes with the needs of the child. Did you know that? The child's saliva interacts with the mammary glands and the milk constitution adjusts. It changes. How cool is that? Isn't God wonderful? And the Bible is the same thing. That what we get out of the Bible changes as our needs change, as we grow in Him. The Bible reveals and it regulates the development that God planned for us. For, each, for you and me, the Bible reveals and regulates that development. And the diet that God provided, the disposition He described, and the reward He's promised, the Bible guides all of that. And when we neglect the Bible, it hurts us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, we have some problems here. And, and, and neglecting God's word was one of the root causes. Paul wrote to people, Corinth, For my part, brothers and sisters, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as what? As people of the flesh. They weren't following after the spirit. They were following after their own flesh as babies in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food. He gave the simplest concepts. Since you were not yet ready for it, in fact, you're still not ready because you're still worldly. They weren't, their, their minds weren't on God, they were on the world, on entertainment, on pleasures, on how to get ahead and keep up with the Joneses. You know, all that was as true 2,000 years ago as it is today. Technology changes, but people don't change. And this neglect leads to dullness, drifting, disobedience, despising, denouncing, and departing from the Lord. Christians need to read and ponder about and pray over the scripture. Now this takes takes time. It takes effort. It takes some kind of discipline. In short, it takes work. It's work. Bible intake involves several disciplines. One author likens Bible intake to a university. You know, a university has several colleges that make up the university. So one author likens Bible intake as a university and the various disciplines supporting Bible intake as colleges of the university. So let's look at the colleges 
that are part of God's Word University. Number one, the College of Hearing God's Word. The College of Hearing God's Word. Luke 11.28 says, Jesus said, Blessed rather are those who hear the Word of God and keep it. There is something about hearing that allows us to easily reflect on it. Now, most of us get hearing from preaching, what I'm doing today. Also, we also do responsive reading, where we hear and we all speak God's Word. And you have time to hear it, right? As, as I'm sitting here talking, you're thinking about things, and I hope you're thinking about how different truths and principles that God's Word brings up applies to your life. I hope you're not thinking about the game that's about to happen later on today or or what you're doing this week, but you're thinking about your relationship with your God and your life before Him as I preach. And when I say, blessed are those who hear the Word of God and keep it, maybe there's someone who go, who's thinking to themselves, you know, I haven't kept it. There's something in my life I know I heard today that God wants me to correct, and I, I haven't kept it. I, 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 I confess that. We also hear that we can hear the Word of God thanks to technology. Audio Bibles are very easy, and, and most of you can get them for free. So you can listen to the Word of God. I did that this past weekend. I spent some time in North New Mexico alone with God, and I that Sunday afternoon, after I, pre- I preached at a church there uh, on the Navajo Reservation, when I, after that, I sat down and enjoyed the view of God's creation. It was a beautiful, beautiful view there. I went and got a chair and I got a, a, uh, some water. And, and I listened. I started playing the Gospel of John. And I, for over two hours, I listened to the Gospel of John. I ended up reading the last three chapters. I was running out of time. But, but I, I listened to almost all the gospel. And just sitting there and hearing it and meditating on those truths of Jesus' life and his principles, what he had to say. We also hear the word of God when we read the Bible out loud during family devotions. And I, I, I'll be the first to confess I didn't do, do so well with my kids with family devotions. I was not consistent with that. That's one area where I feel like I failed. Yes, sir. Where you sit with your, your, your wife and kids or your kids or whoever's in your family and, and, and you read something from the Bible and maybe you talk about it and then you pray together. And, and, and you can say a simple prayer. You're teaching your kids what uh, it means to have uh, devotions with God, to read God's word and, and, and talk to him about things. You can also sing together. Find some choruses that are easy to sing, and you sing songs together. Um, Missy would, would do with the kids. We homeschooled, so every morning you would she would lead the kids in a small devotional. So that's what family devotions is. Like say, you know, we sat down. I said, okay, let's read Psalm um, 
let's read the 23rd Psalm. And so you roll up the 23rd Psalm. Uh, and if you haven't memorized the 23rd Psalm, that's a good Psalm to memorize. It's real short, easy. And the Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I lack. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. And then you might tell your kids uh, about how God has been a shepherd to you in your life. How he's guided you. How he's helped you and encouraged you. In those dark times, the valley of the shadow of death. Those dark valleys in life. How God was with you every step of the way. You talk about that. And then you pray. And you have your kids bow their heads and Say, dear Lord, thank you for being our shepherd. Thank you for taking care of us. May we put our trust in you when we go through difficult times. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It doesn't have to be a short prayer. It doesn't have to be hard or long. It doesn't have to be fancy words or anything. You're just talking to Jesus. That's all you're doing. And then you might sing a song, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Right? And then that's the family devotions. That's all you have to do. That's easy. See. See. I got part of that. I'm working on my Spanish. I, mi español es no bueno. Hablo un poco. Poco. Hablo un poco. Hello. Excellent. Muy bien. Okay. ¿Se habla inglés? Oh, sí. Bien, bien. Ah, ah, okay. I just want to make sure that you, you understand me, what I'm saying. Okay, okay, okay. Hey, I ask, we've had family members who came here who didn't know any English, and so I, I try to be mindful of that. Yeah. Okay. So the College of Hearing God's Word. Then we have the College of, of Reading God's Word. You know, 16% of Christians read the Bible every day. Only 16% of all people who profess to be Christians, this is the most recent poll, I think it was as of last year, I, I read the Bible every day. Only 20% of all Christians ha have, have read all of the Bible. Only 20% have read all of it, and 43% have, led, have read less than half of it. We want to find time. How do we, how do we 
participate in the college of reading God's word. First, it's got to be, you got to find the time for it. It's got to be important to you. I've had guys tell me, military guys, tell me, oh, Daryl, I'm just so busy. I don't, I want to have time with God, but I don't have time to do it. And then I say, if I offered you a deal where if you, if you spend 10 minutes a day for a year reading God's word, if you, every day, if you spend 10 minutes reading it, at the end of the year, I'll give you a million dollars. I bet you somehow they will find the time to do it. What changed? It wasn't their busyness. It was their priorities. Yeah, that's right. So what do we do? We have reading. You, you can have a reading plan. So you have time to do it. And also it helps to have a reading plan. Now we have, uh, we follow along with, uh, uh, from a website, uh, daily reading, so we can talk about it and, and discuss it and kind of be on the same page uh, f- uh, for the week and you're all reading the same thing. It's a lot of fun to be able to say, hey, did you read that passage? Uh, so we, we do that. But there's other reading plans out there. Bible apps all have different read. You can read the Bible from front to back. You can read it chronologically because the Bible is not ordered by when the event took place. So chronologic readings, that's kind of interesting because you can be reading an Old Testament event, like maybe something going on with David, and then you could read a psalm that he wrote during that time, and then you go back to the event. And so chronological is is a great way to do it. Um, And then every day, you want to find one word, one phrase, one verse to meditate on, to think about throughout the day. Something that you can just ponder and kind of keep in the back of your mind. Then you have the college of studying God's Word. This is more than just reading. 2 Timothy 4.13 says, when you come, uh, so Paul is is giving Timothy some instructions. He said, when you come, bring the cloak I left, in Tros with Carpus, as well as the scrolls, especially the parchments. Now it's interesting. So Timothy didn't come see him. They didn't have FedEx back in those days. And he left his coat somewhere. I remember an old letter I came across. Uh, my grandfather had, had written to somebody. And, uh, and he asked him to, to uh, bring the hat he had left in some other state as he was traveling. And so Paul had left his coat, and he also left some, some books that he wanted, as well as parchments, and parchments were most likely scripture. So this is what he wanted. He wanted the, the books, which were, I assume, uh, religious books, I, uh, good Christian books, and then scripture to study. Want to go? And what does this mean? When you read a passage... It's re- and you read something you don't understand, it's very easy just to skip past it. Don't. Now, you don't have to do a deep study with everything right now. Okay, that takes a tremendous amount of time. But find something, that a word you don't understand, uh, a verse you don't understand, 
and and try to find out more about it. Do it, you know, look up the word in a dictionary or uh, there's commentaries. I use commentaries. So commentaries are are notes other men who are smarter than I have written about the Bible. And so I'll read a verse and I'll go, I don't understand what that means. I'm not sure where they're trying to go with that. And I'll read a couple of different commentators and then I'll go, okay, now I get what he's trying to say. Or sometimes I'll read a verse and I'll read a commentator and the commentator basically says, I don't know what that means either. There's some verses in the Bible it, it, the meaning has really been lost to history. We don't quite understand what that verse was trying, what that, what, what maybe what Paul was trying to say in a particular phrase. Um, but most, ninety nine point nine percent of everything else, if we look at it, we can understand what it's trying to say. Then we have the College of Application. It does no good. Uh, to read something and understand it if we don't apply it to our lives, internalize it, and make it part of who we are. John 17, 17 says, Jesus prayed, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So God's word acts to sanctify us, to purify us. Sanctification in this regard means purify. And that goes back to what I was saying. You know, you're reading the Bible and you see it says, love your enemies, you know, pray for those who despitefully use you. That's what you guys did, right? They have a bot, they both work at Pizza Hut on 21st Street, and there was a manager there yesterday that I think was having a really bad day. Something was going on in his life, and he was taking it out on everybody else, being kind of a jerk. And and they got in the car, and Emmett said to Shina, We need to pray for Devin. And that's exactly See, God's word, you didn't know that. You didn't know to do that before you read that in the Bible. But now you know. If someone's mean to you, you start praying for them. That's a proper behavior. And don't pray for them while you're letting air out of tires. Don't do that. But you pray for them. Then you have the College of Bible Memorization. Memorizing God's word. Psalm 119, 11, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. I'm hiding God's... You know how Jesus fought temptation? He recited scripture. He recited Deuteronomy, actually. How much of Deuteronomy do you remember to battle temptation? There's benefits to memorization. It strengthens your faith. It, it faith it prepares us for witnessing and counseling. When you're talking to someone, you can remember scriptures. Oh yeah, this this might be able to help you. This might be an encouragement to you. It, it provides a means of God's guidance when you're in the situation. You remember a scripture that you had memorized before, and it stimulates meditation. It helps you think about things as you're memorizing it. You know, you can memorize, if you memorize four verses a day, you can memorize the entire New Testament in five years. Four verses a day, about a chapter a week. Memorize the entire New Testament in five years. Um, 
I do have a, a, a brochure in the back on Bible memorization. It talks about uh, different methods you can use. This is in brochures in the back. You can help you with that. Also in the back, by the way, speaking of resources, in the back there's a Bible reading chart. We have some cop a few copies left of this. I don't even know where we got these at. We just have them. Um, you can you can as you're reading the Bible, you can mark out the chapters so you you can keep track of what you've read and what you haven't read. Because everybody usually try you try you want to usually you want to try to uh, read through the Bible once a year. That's a common goal. If you read three chapters a day and four chapters on Sunday, you will meet that goal. You'll read the entire Bible in a year. Um, and Missy's mom did that many times. You know, you know how many times she read the Bible? Twice a year. Any idea for how many years? 30 years, 40 years? Read the Bible a lot. <clears throat> Then we have the, the finally we have the college of, of meditation. Christian meditation is where you're thinking about something, thinking about God's truth. It's kind of mulling over in your mind, you're pondering it. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night, so that you may carefully observe. Everything written in it. How can you carefully observe it if you don't think about it and think about what it means to your life? How you can observe God's truth, God's word, God's laws, God's commands. For then you will, and, and, and then it goes on this verse, it says, For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. That's God's promise. If you Study God's word and meditate on it. Think about it. Apply it to your life. Internalize it. And, 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 and work on adjusting your behavior and your life to be in line with what God's word says. God said you will prosper. Your life will be blessed. Doesn't mean that you're not going to have problems. Sickness. Life challenges, even financial challenges. But overall, you, you will have an amazing, amazing life. Bible meditation requires first comprehension. You can't think about something if you don't really understand it. Another thing that I do for helping comprehension, if you read a verse and you don't know exactly what it's talking about, take a look at the verses surrounding it. That helps bring it into context and make sure that you're understanding it. If you're still having trouble, look at the chapters surrounding that chapter. And that helps bring it into context as well. And then after you comprehend it, then reflect on it, think about it, and then finally apply it. Why don't we study the Bible? Remember I said 16% only read the Bible on a daily basis. Well, uh, R.C. Sproul, a uh, prolific writer, uh, Christian author, theologian, uh, addressed the question of, of why we don't study the Word of God. And he wrote, Here then is the real problem of our negligence. We fail in our duty to study God's Word, not so much 
that it is difficult to understand, not so much because it is dull and boring, but because it is work. It requires an effort on our part. Our problem is not a lack of intelligence or lack of passion. Our problem is that we are lazy. That's what he wrote, and I agree with him. I think laziness is a, one of the most common reasons for us not taking time in God's word. Another reason we find why people don't take time in God's word can be summed up in a quote by a man by the name of Paul Hovey. He wrote, men do not reject the Bible because it contradicts itself, but because it contradicts them. And people say, oh, I don't listen to the Bible because it contradicts itself. That's not really true. It's, it's because it contradicts what they want to believe. There's a pride. I want to be the God of my life. I want to be in charge. I want to decide what's right and what's wrong. That's what the people of the world are wanting to say. But the Christ follower follows Jesus' example and says, Thy will be done. Amen? So we humble ourselves before the Lord and we put in the work. Let's put in some work. Put in some work. Let's sow some time in the Lord's word. I pray ever since I was uh, 17, I prayed for myself. God, give me a hunger for your word. And ever since I've been a pastor, I prayed for all of you that you all would develop a hunger for God's word. And that's our first discipline for this series. May God bless us. Let's stand and close in prayer. Thank you for joining us. If you liked this podcast, then hit the subscribe button. Also, take some time to rate us. Feel free to check out our website at servantsheartchapel.org and you can email us at servantsheartchapel at gmail.com. Thanks again and have a blessed week.